everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, broadcasting live from Canmore, Alberta. Uh, I'm Molly Herford. I'm the author of a bunch of books on kind of all different types of cycling and things relating to cycling, uh, and also write about all kinds of different outdoor and fitness-related activities, and occasionally teach the odd yoga class, help coach the odd clinic, and a bunch of other stuff in between. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm Molly's co-host and also a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. Cool. So what have we been up to this week? Well, we just ran. That was my one weekly run. I yep, don't know yep. if that's good job. evidence supported, but that's about what it ends up being. So far, so good. It was. I mean, we did a solid run there. We hit some of the cool little side trails in Canmore, uh, which is you know if you know Banff or you know familiar with the Banff Film Festival it's about 15 miles south of there and still very much in the mountains a beautiful 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 area we were out here last year for Canadian Mountain Bike Nationals that's why we're out here again um yeah so we're super psyched to finally be here though it was a week-long process getting here but it's been good we did you know a pretty casual drive out I'll say for us I suppose it was casual. I mean, we had to do a fairly large mountain bike clinic in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, which went very well. But as with any larger event, it's especially when you're driving across the country to a new area, it's a little hectic. But people yeah. were amazing. And if you ever get a chance to ride at Buffalo Pound uh, Provincial Park in Saskatchewan, it's just north of Moose Jaw. And also Banff is north of here just for reference i said that i'm pretty sure you said south but we'll no, leave I that said, we'll leave that to the listeners to i said canmore is south we can you can tweet at us and let us know <laughs> who's right in this uh but in any case yeah it went well uh but i we enjoyed it we were able to visit some friends sort of we were driving seven or eight hours a day uh and then we sort of dropped into a couple of different friends cottages or homes or whatever and invaded and then left promptly in the morning to start driving again yeah jumped in lake superior Went for a few runs. Peter checked out some mountain bike trails in Winnipeg. I ran. So it's been a pretty good, very consummate athlete-y trip. Uh, I've been back on my mountain bike a fair bit, obviously, for the clinic, but starting to get ramped up on my running since the 50K mountain run is about a month and a half out now. So starting to get a little bit nervous about that. I think I'm actually going to jump into Canmore has a local trail run that they do once a month on Wednesday night. So tomorrow night I'll be jumping into that just to sort of shake out my legs and see where I'm at with mountain running. So yeah, speaking of running, uh, today on the podcast we have Jeff Knight and I'm really stoked on having him on because he's a lead exercise scientist for Under Armour, uh, and he really works to improve health and fitness through smarter exercise and technology. So if you guys have seen me reviewing some of Under Armour's smart shoes, like the recently released Hover, uh, he is one of the guys behind it. Uh, super cool technology, and I mean, I really like with those shoes, the point is almost that you can run without your phone and still have your runs recorded. Why does it record in the shoe? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It also does stuff like uh, checking your recovery through like a jump test you can do that syncs up to the app. So lots of cool stuff with that. But Jeff was also a really serious running coach before he landed at Under Armour. So instead of just talking about, oh, smart tech this, smart tech that, we really get into kind of how to get into running, especially a little bit later in life. I mean, 
some people come to running because they raced cross country in school or you know ran on the track but I mean I was one of those runners that didn't get into it till I was in my 20s so it's pretty cool talking to him about how to get into it and how to does not do you start with a 90 minute run or how, how do you start yeah definitely start yeah. with like two hours at least hmm. <laughs> i feel like that was a huge slam on me out of nowhere um i mean you seem to normally pull it off i feel like you're pulling it off less as you're aging but uh maybe maybe not i don't know I'm getting a look for that one, but... Listeners, I feel like we should just be tweeting really angry things at my older co-host here. I'm definitely not absorbing that, but um, I I assume, was it a a run walk, or what are we going to hear about? All different kinds of things. Okay. There's lots of ways to ease in. Lots of ways to ease in. Very good. Um, What did you find with the shoes? I really like them. I think they're cool. I mean, for me, they're a little bit too much shoe as someone who's been running in minimal shoes for, you know, a lot of years. The jump test is really interesting. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed testing them. I sort of almost wish that I wore beefier shoes in order to kind of get the most out of the actual, like, how they are as running shoes. Mm. Um, But I'm just not a really, like, heavy shoe runner or big shoe runner. Um, But they're great for, like, walking and stuff now that's more what i use them for since obviously when i run i use more minimal shoes i actually just got a pair of ultra trail runners that i'm gonna start testing out a little bit because they're zero drop but still have a pretty hefty sole on them so it's kind of the best of both worlds for the trail i think a little bit more padding but you know still kind of the same vibe as the barefoot shoes that i've been running in for the past seven years got it got it for the record, I recover swimmingly from two-hour runs. Just putting it out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the podcast. Oh, and Jeff also lives in Austin, Texas. So we talk a lot about tacos and margaritas. Um, apologies if this episode makes you guys hungry. Enjoy it. So I, I started running like a lot of people sort of as a as a kid like my mom was into running she ran track in college and I think I had my first running experience as probably like eight or nine years old that I can remember and it was running a local 5k uh in in the small town I grew up in and uh that is like the most vivid memory to me and I was blown away because my mom ran the 5k and then turned around and ran the 10k I was like, oh, my goodness, like, how do you even do that? And, <laughs> you know, so and, and just, you know, like I liked playing tag as a kid. I liked all those running games. It was like my favorite. And as an elementary school kid, like field day, I love the running events. And so, of course, went to middle school and high school and ran uh, track and cross country through all that and graduated high school and was, you know, not quite good enough to run at like that next level. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed close to running as uh, uh, many people do as sort of like, uh, you know, I I use the term, um, you know, as a term of endearment, but recreationally, um, because it came second to my studies, and it came second to uh, work and all that stuff as a a college student and uh, ran uh, a half marathon as a, you know, as a college student and a marathon as a college student. I was like, wow, this is like, really awesome and, and a lot of fun and, um, you know, went off to 
grad school to do um, things outside of running, but just never could really like let it go. And, you know, I was having sort of a, a crisis moment as a grad student in biochemistry and was like, I don't know, like, I like biochemistry, but bacteria, they're just not that exciting, <laughs> like engaging and interacting with people. And so I had a chance encounter with a uh, local uh, running coach here in Austin that uh, was also a, a coach at UT. His name's Steve Sisson. And, uh, you know, I shot him an email one day sort of in the dark or, or just out of the blue. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, here's my background. I love running. I love, you know, science. I'm, I'm starting to go to grad school for exercise science where I'm going to, you know, study running and run performance. And um, I'd love to get some experience with like coaching and, and so kind of got into uh, the rest from there. And I've been doing running at some professional level ever since. That's so cool. I have to ask, when you were in elementary school, were you like that kid that was so excited for the mile run in gym class? <laughs> it was absolutely true. So we, we had a, a grass field. We would run laps around and get a popsicle stick <laughs> for every lap that you ran. And you had to get four popsicle sticks before you could go do like the other gym stuff and i'll be like yeah like i'm loving this like give me some more popsicle sticks <laughs> Ugh, we would not have gotten along in elementary school i will tell you that <laughs> we always have people on the show that are like oh yeah like if i was like every other kid i was really into sports and i'm like yeah i was the kid sitting behind the couch trying to read a book so i don't really understand that but i respect it <laughs> well you know if it makes you feel better i am like a wannabe book person you know and like I've, I've, I'm like a wannabe in a lot of in a lot of ways one of them is also a morning person I'm like wish I was a morning person oh I'm my just god not. me too <laughs> uh, but books is one of those so I like try really really hard to read books and uh, you know I, I, I I've read a few over the years but I'm not that bookworm that I wish I were <laughs> oh my god I was the kid that had to get banned from reading on the playground because I was so <laughs> inactive they're like you can't bring books to recess you need to actually move around uh, I snuck books out to recess at that point, just found hiding spots, but you know. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to go play over here behind yeah, the tree and yeah, yeah, just, you'll see me in 30 minutes. We're playing hide and seek. I'm just really good at it. <laughs> okay. So out of everyone you've coached, which do you enjoy coaching more recreational or like the high level athletes? What's more interesting? That's a really good question. And, you know, when I started coaching, I, I was like performance minded. I was like, oh, man, I want to work with the tops uh, and I want to help them kind of tweak all the little nerdy things that you can tweak. So I'm really into like uh, performance nutrition and performance hydration. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for a while. And then, you know, it was afforded some other opportunities to work with a local nonprofit that, that did after school run programs for underserved youth. And that was really cool. And then I had a chance to work at uh, high school and, and middle school as a coach. And that was really cool. But ultimately, like the thing that I loved the most was working with those adult athletes that were professional in something other than running. Mm -hmm. And the, the reason was, is, you know, these were adults that were willing to pay for running, which, you know, at a surface is like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can get paid and keep the lights on and, and feed my family and stuff like that. But it's actually like deeper than that is people that are, are that love the sport so much and want to do the sport so badly, do it to a certain level that they're willing to like sacrifice uh, um, hard earned uh, uh, money for that. And like, it, you know, they, they're, they're, prof they're professional as, as attorneys, as baristas, as whatever. Um, and, you know, they take time away from 
uh, you know, other things that they could do in their lives. And um, as somebody with small kids know, I know how hard that sacrifice is. And it was just so incredible to work with people that wanted to do it. And, <laughs> you know, the, 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 and at the other, you know, so that just is, is just so special to like want people to do it so bad. Um, you know, cause at a high school and middle school level, you're kind of twisting some arms sometimes. You're like, yeah, you're going to really like this. But at the adult level, it's like the people that care and they want to be there, um, because it's making their life better and they see running as this opportunity to enhance their life versus, you know, this something that they have to do because it's a job or, or a gym credit or something like that. Oh man, I've never thought about it that way, but wow, I've, I've poured a lot of money into this. I must be a really good person. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's one of these things, and I used to have these crazy conversations, and 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 whether it was a, a you know, like as you know, vice president of some company or whoever, it would be like the time question would always come up, and you know, ultimately, like you'd find a way because they just got so much value out of it, and in return, I got a ton of value out of working with them, and especially as an adult, like it's so hard to find opportunities to connect with other adults in a way like this. And, and coaching was just so special in that sense because you got to connect with people at a really kind of like uh, personal level. I'm sure like, you know, there's other jobs out there that have those those special opportunities like counselors and stuff like that. Um, but it, but for me, this was my way to connect with people in a really special way. Yeah, absolutely. I genuinely don't understand how people make friends as adults if they're not involved in some kind of like endurance sport or team sport activity. It yeah. boggles my mind, right? Like where do you right. meet people? <laughs> And and that was the other side of it is so we we did um, you know that the where where I worked we did uh, like team kind of models where you know it was modeled after a sort of collegiate or a high school team mm-hmm. and so these these people that were running together and waking up at you know five in the morning to go do these workouts they really bonded in a way and, and you know we built relationships in just incredible ways and that's just super special and, and one thing that you only get out of the sport at that level yeah for sure. So what did your post-grad studies look like when you did go for the science of running? So I, I, I kind of spent my time uh, hanging out at a performance lab at, at uh, University of Texas, Austin, uh, run by a guy named Ed Coyle. And, um, you know, I, I kind of had like one foot in the lab, but then I also had one foot out on the track because it, at that point in time, I was really focused on going into uh, collegiate coaching uh, or something at that level. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we spent time in the lab doing, you know, basic science research around concepts like, you know, how your heart rate uh, continues to drift up during exercise, even though the intensity might be more or less the same. And what happens when you experience that under heat stress or cold stress or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I was I was constantly out at, on the side of the track at, at UT or, or wherever working with those other teams as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. So did they, did one influence the other? Like, were you coming back in the lab and saying things like, oh, hey, I saw this actually taking place in real life or vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, what living in Austin for a while uh, teaches you a lot about uh, training in the heat and Mm -hmm. training in the humidity. And so it was constantly bringing those kind of like understandings of what happens in the lab under heat stress out to you know, the track and the roads to manage, you know, training stress and understand training stress appropriately. And, you know, what's, what's happening under these conditions of, 
of working out in the the hot hot sun and and going okay like we see this in the lab and maybe this looks okay or or you know we this might not be expected but um it oftentimes kind of tied back to something more practical like the uh the hydration aspect of it and and getting that right so that athletes can perform uh, Mm -hmm. really well under those conditions it seems to me like heat stress is sort of like the sexy new topic. I don't know. I've been reading a ton about it lately. It's like heavily featured in that book Roar by Stacey Sims and Endure by Alex Hutchinson. It's like the new cool topic. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's really important, um, especially if it comes down to, you know, if you have an event that's going to happen in the heat. So at, at some levels that could be uh, the, the summer Olympics or at other levels, it could be, you know, poor timing at the Chicago marathon or, or something like that. And, um, you see that when people do work out in the heat and under those heat stress conditions that they, they perform a little bit better at those heat events than, than others that don't have that type of, uh, exposure. So we saw it as a real advantage when we were, uh, um, you know, building up for these heat events, whether it was with, uh, recreational athletes or, or not. So even the recreational athletes, we would, we would do stuff, you know, during buildups to marathons where we would do uh, long, hard workouts in the middle of the day on a Saturday when we knew the weather was going to be up into the nineties, just in case race day was a little warmer than anticipated so that we could, could, you know, perform well, because you spend so much time and energy training for these one events that you want them to, to, to go as best they can. That's awesome. So other than just training in the heat, though, any other tips for dealing with the heat for runners? I mean, I know we still have a few months till that hits us, uh, especially up here. But, you know, since we're talking about it, what's your best advice? My best advice is to uh, uh, take hydration seriously. And uh, you can you can do a lot around preparing your body to uh, hydrate. So I, I, I collected sweat rates on my, uh, adult athletes for years and, uh, we had adult athletes that were, you know, six, five, six, six, 200 plus pounds and, uh, and down to, to the smaller end. And, you know, the, the, these, uh, taller athletes, these taller, heavier athletes, they would consume massive amounts of liquid during their training runs by carrying handheld water bottles and stopping and filling them pretty often and taking salt tabs and all that stuff like that to the point where they could maintain uh, pretty good hydration levels throughout. Um, but it took work, you know, it took, mm-hmm. they didn't just come out that first run and say, okay, I'm going to consume 44 ounces of liquid per hour as some of them were doing. Um, it takes time and you have to sort of prep and go, okay, can I do like 10 to 12 ounces an hour or, and then so on and so forth. So yeah. you just have to start and prep for it and, and be ready for it from that standpoint. I find that so interesting because I feel like as cyclists, you know, the hydration thing is just such an obvious thing because we have bottle cages on the bikes. But I find, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well. If I run, like if I'm running under 90 minutes, the odds of me bringing anything other than maybe like a tiny little flask with me are slim to none. But on a bike ride that's an hour, I would definitely bring a bottle. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know what it is, if it's a culture thing or if it's just that the handhelds are, are, you know, like their handhelds are not the most comfortable thing to carry along on a run. But, you know, the, the ultra endurance guys and gals seem to have it figured out. They, they do the backpacks a lot of the time or mm-hmm. the harnesses a lot of the time. And I think people are, are coming around to it. I see it more 
now than I used to when I was, you know, just my sort of anecdotal experience and looking around in Austin, Texas, I see it more now than I used to. Um, and I, I think people comes with, you know, understanding the value of it and, and also seeing, you know, gear out there that's a little bit easier to handle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember when I first started running, the original Fuel Belt was kind of the only game in town and hated it. I hated it so much. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it bounced a little bit and stuff like that. And yeah. And like, just... You're a guy and you say that. Now imagine being a female with like hips and a waist trying to sure. get one of those things yeah. to fit. Oh, it was the worst. Like, they're just, it's just, yeah, it's evolved so much since then. I'm really happy with it now. Yeah, and so I, I hope people just, like, can kind of get that and appreciate it and go, okay, it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world. And by the way, you can put, like, your car keys in it or whatever else, yeah, your ID right? and, and and stuff like that or gels or whatever. And then if you, if you do it right, like, the trick for us was always to put the uh, bottle in the freezer the night before. Mm. pulled out so it's like rock solid and then start to run with it that way and sort of by the course of the run it would melt you would drink whatever was melted and by the end of a uh, run on a hot day it was sort of still nice and cool at the end of it oh i like that okay and then you know this kind of leads us very nicely into how you ended up at under armor but what about all of those like cooling fabrics and stuff what's the deal with those yeah so you know we we've obviously with under armor we have uh, a few fabrics that we have in that sort of category and one of them um, being like a cool switch material that we launched a couple years ago and um, you know we we obviously study them hard internally and and try to find you know if it is actually making impacts on you know core temperature and stuff like that and you know when you're talking about a core temperature level there's whether you're looking at sort of the classic kind of thresholds for core temperature cutoff or the more kind of novel ones around these kind of more personalized core temperature cutoffs you know, half degrees of, of uh, core body temperature savings on a you know Celsius grade is pretty important, and um, so you know you can you can do those things, but you know at the end of the day when it's super duper hot outside and stuff like that, you, you're going to have to also you know put cold stuff into your body and stuff like that to help manage yourself and also uh, have your body sort of adapt to that. So it's the combination of factors I think is what kind of helps people overall manage that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you are the lead exercise scientist for Under Armour now. How did you How did you end up there? So I I was coming off of my time at uh, a local run training group called Rogue here in town, and we um, during that time I was the training director, so I oversaw all of our training programs. And it was at a time where we had forty or so coaches, and we had roughly thirty five hundred members come through every year, and um, you know, during that, it was really fun and really exciting. I love that sort of like direct uh, opportunity to work with people. And um, at the end, at sort of the, the end of my time there, I was, I was excited about like kind of expanding a little bit in the sense of like how can we uh, um, interact with more people. And uh, when uh, Under Armour uh, acquired Matt My Run, and uh, they sort of were expanding operations here in Austin, uh, came across uh, sort of a, a, a position looking for this, this type of, of, of person that has the ability to sort of span and, and drive training concepts at a, at a scaled level. And I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. And they were looking for somebody with some exercise science background. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting, too. I have a little bit of that. So um, went in and, and went through the whole process. So it was just sort of serendipitous. It was one of those things where, 
you know, from a job posting level, you're like reading it. You're like, I feel like they wrote this job for me. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that was two and a half years ago and I've been uh, with them since. And we've, we've, uh, we're constantly kind of growing out, uh, our offerings as, uh, exercise professionals within, uh, Under Armour and, and helping to advance the, uh, the company and, and make better products for our consumers. That's awesome. So what's the most exciting project that you've worked on so far? So the most exciting thing probably recently is the uh, Under Armour Connected Footwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've been in multiple kind of iterations of that over the last few years. And we feel like this time we actually we got it right and or cl- closer to right. And we always want to do better, of course. But, um, you know, you look across the connection experience to all those other pieces that it takes to get a uh, um, consumer product right. I feel like we did uh, well. And so we're really excited about it. And it was also put into uh, our new uh, footwear line that's called Hover. It's all and speaking about the Hover foam um, specifically. So we have a Phantom model and a Sonic model. And both of those come connected so they can uh, work with Matt My Run. And that's what we were uh, a part of is that connection side and actually validating um, the data that comes off of that chip. So the speed data, the distance data, um, the stride length data, and the cadence data uh, that the chip provides in, uh, over a course of many, many months and you know, lots and lots of testing on a lot of unique individuals uh, got, that <clears throat> got the, uh, the testing to a pretty good place or got the data to a pretty good place. And so that was pretty exciting. And, and then we're kind of going to that next phase of going, okay, now that we have this data, um, stride length and cadence, like that's cool. Um, a lot of people are familiar with especially cadence, um, but there's also a lot of runners out there go, okay, I've heard about cadence. My friends talk about cadence. I've seen on uh, blogs and in and, and magazines and stuff, but like, what do I actually strive for? What do I do with that? And so we've been developing a, a feature that, um, provides uh, tailor-made target ranges for cadence and stride length based on a number of uh, inputs for a particular users. So somebody after their first run in the shoe can actually go on, look at their stats, and they'll see like very clearly, okay, this is my target range, this is what I can go for. And hopefully it sort of gives people, like demystifies that a little bit and, and gives them sort of an idea of, of what to go for. That's super cool. So correct me if I'm wrong. What the shoe is, is it has a chip in it. And theoretically, by the time that the shoes have worn out, that's about how like the lifetime of the chip, give or take. Right. Yeah. So that was like the really fun thing about the connected shoe experience from our perspective is we didn't want something that you had to charge. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't want something that you had to clip onto a shoe. Uh, We wanted something that was just part of the shoe that you just was always there and you didn't have to mess with or fuss with. And so whether, you know, it's, it's something that you run with your phone or without your phone that you still get um, the data from the shoe and um, the, the, the chip itself inside the shoe, it, it, like you said, it lasts the life of the shoe and um, you know, and, and uh, it's kind of with you across all those runs and it tracks all your steps and all those pieces. So the thing that like I think about and, and, I like about it is the, uh, the, the untethered run is what we kind of call it. Yes. Um, where you just don't have to take your phone with you. Don't have to take your watch with you and you can just go, uh, decompress and just run. And as a coach, as a coach for adult athletes and professional athletes as well, like we were constantly like fighting the need to be married to the watch and like, okay, I want you to go out and run five miles at an easy effort today. 
and they, you know, we'd go out and run five miles and people come back like all winded and tired be like, what happened? Like, why are, why are you not running easy? And they're like, Oh coach, I started seeing the numbers and it was like 30, 40 seconds slower than I thought I should have been at. So I was like speeding up and it's like, no, you're supposed to run easy. <laughs> and so like, this is the feature I think for like a, like a, uh, you know, the, the training runner, the, the athlete actually in a training mode that they're like trying to manage those easy day stressors that, you know, you can go out, do the run, get it automatically tracked maintain the effort and then come back and still have all the data there that you would expect from it. So you can still analyze your run the, the same way. I love that. And I'll say as someone who's almost like the reverse of that, like I'm so bad for like, I terrible at recording data. Uh, ask every coach I've ever had, I'll be graded it for like 48 hours. And then I'm just <laughs> over it. I, like trying to, I did an article earlier this year where I actually used my fitness pal for 30 days it was the hardest 30 days of my life. It felt like a second full-time job. Um, so having right, a shoe no, yeah. that's just going to do it for me is uh, pretty excellent. Yeah, it's it's nice from that perspective in that you just can go out and if you're not a huge data nerd, you still get all your stats that are, that are getting tracked and, and stuff like that, which I think is, is really a win at the end of the day. And, you know, down to the simple stuff of like, have I had these shoes for like 300 miles or yeah. is it more like 600 miles? <laughs> like they feel a little flat. They look, feel a little funky. And you know, the, that end of things, it's like, oh, well, I can just kind of like hop in and see that without having to go in and, and log that or write it down or whatever that might be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm like a wannabe data nerd the way you're a wannabe bookworm. So <laughs> I really like this. If only we could share some of that. Yeah, right? Back and forth. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about trying out the hover sneakers. Like I was saying before, I'm actually going to – I have a pair waiting for me that I'll get to next in a few days that I'm super excited about. So actually, tell me, tell me a little bit about – just quickly because I know not everyone is going to want to run out and buy these, but like – what are they what are they like as far as just shoes go so like forgetting right. the chip yeah yeah no i think that's that's a just from a, a pure shoe standpoint uh the two models one the phantom is the kind of more softer what we consider the more luxurious model um it's super squishy it actually like uh we're in, we're in apparel you know brand historically and so we spend a lot of time in apparel factories and stuff like that and we uh, we're in a, in a factory doing some stuff and, and thinking about like bike chamois and they're seeing bike chamois and uh, <laughs> somebody was like, Hey, like, like, can we put that in a shoe? And so like the, uh, phantoms actually have like a bike chamois type material in the, the bottom of the shoe. So instead of the traditional sock liner, it's this like super squish, uh, super comfortable bike chamois. And, uh, and, and then on the Sonic side, that's more of the kind of like what we consider like the performance uh, sneaker. It's a nine and a half ounce shoe, uh, really super breathable knit upper, uh, which if you live in Austin or anywhere else, warm climate, and you're looking for like that breathable uh, shoe for the summertime, especially uh, you get great breathability from it, which I am a big fan of because my feet sweat like crazy when I'm out <laughs> running and I'm squishing around. And, um, but the, the, the real thing that we are, the, with the platform that we're excited about is the, the hover foam which is a, a new proprietary foam for us that's um, really soft, uh, great kind of like first step in feel. And um, yeah, so far it's it's gone well and we are getting uh, good reviews and uh, I personally am, am liking it uh, quite a bit. That's awesome. I'm super excited about that. Uh, okay, so we've talked, we keep mentioning Austin, Texas. So 
I feel like I need you to just like pitch Austin, Texas to everyone listening because I really want, I think everyone should live there. I think it's like the best place on earth to be an athlete. (laughs) It's a great spot for training, you know, and, and like we always consider, you know, there's great, great uh, training hubs around the country, whether it be, you know, Flagstaff, Arizona or uh, uh, Mammoth or uh, Boulder or any of the other like amazing spots out there. Um, but you know, for us, like it's, it works really well, really well because you get nice trainable weather, uh, for most of the year, um, especially in the winter months when you're preparing for those spring races or things like that, you get good training weather. We also have great, you know, trails. We have great, um, kind of like we have this urban path around, uh, this, this, the middle of our town around this body of water called, uh, Ladybird Lake, um, Tam- town, Lake, if you're old school, Austin, and, uh, it's this crushed granite. So kind of like this nice soft, uh, uh, dirt like trail uh, that everybody runs on and great for tempo runs and steady state runs and all that stuff. And, you know, we have pretty bikeable roads and good, good spots for swimming. So if you're a triathlete, it's a, I think it's a pretty good spot. <laughs> and uh, for the runners and the cyclists out there, you can absolutely find plenty of roads and trail to fill your heart's desire. Yeah. I remember I was there for like 48 hours and I, I told you this before I ended up like skipping half of the things I was supposed to be doing and ended up like swimming in a quarry that like belongs to a gym somehow. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fun. <laughs> it's I, nice cool water. <laughs> that was like the craziest thing. I, you know, my friend's like, oh yeah, come to my gym. I have guest passes. So I go with her and I'm like, oh good. We're going to swim in the pool that's outside at the gym. She's like, oh no, we're going to go to the quarry lake that the gym also owns right behind it. <laughs> So yeah, just that, like, that's pretty fun. <laughs> it was insane. And then I went like, I grabbed like a uh, stand up paddle board and did some of that. It was the best. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we have margaritas. We have margaritas and Tex-Mex, which is, I which was is pretty good too. I was just going to say, yeah. So for any listener hoping to get like the best tacos and margaritas, uh, what are your best restaurant recommendations? These oh, are the important man. things. <laughs> putting, putting me on the spot. There's so many. Breakfast tacos as any endurance athlete knows like that breakfast meal, that post long run or post workout meal is like the best tasting meal of the week. Right. Yes. And so we, we, uh, we choose to indulge in the breakfast taco as our, uh, breakfast post workout, uh, of choice. And, um, we have some good spots in town, taco deli, uh, uh, El Chile, uh, Let's see, or the, the classic one that everyone goes to uh, that's kind of branched out now is uh, um, Torchy's Tacos. Um, but they're like really like anywhere you can throw a rock at like 7 a.m. in the morning is going to have pretty good breakfast tacos. So yeah. <laughs> go park your car, go for a run, go for a swim, whatever that might be. And then just like look around and follow your nose. and You'll find some good spots. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I got there, I admit I was starving when I got off the plane and I stopped at a Chipotle on my way to the place I was staying and I got to their house and they were just like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> you're in Austin and this is your, this is your decision. This is what you're doing. Like, oh God. Like, Stop. We're going to go. We're going to go make this right right now. <laughs> I, th- I think they might have, to be honest. <laughs> I think they let me eat like a quarter of it. And then they were like, okay, now that you're like not angry anymore, let's go do something good. Anything as long as it's wrapped in a, a tortilla of some sort, like we're we're pretty we're like all right, we're gonna make this we're gonna make this good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so in all of the runners that you've coached, you've coached like a fair amount of like newer runners. What are the biggest mistakes that you see new runners making? 
Yeah, so new runners are are like awesome because they're just so excited about it. They they started running for a multitude of reasons, and um, that excitement is like what you have to help new runners kind of like channel into a positive way, right? Because they walk into a store, they they walk up to a coach or whatever that is, and they're like, "I want to go, I want to go now." And so you have to sort of like uh, uh, spread that energy out over a course of weeks because. You know, like we're with anything new, you have to like form a habit. You have to sort of like get over this initial hump of it, you know, seeming fun and exciting and novel at the beginning to like getting into those lulls. So uh, the the first thing with the beginner uh, athlete is like, okay, so like how can we take that energy and spread it out? Like how can we uh, get you to set some goals early on so that you have something you're spread for? How can we prepare you for? okay, this is fun now in a couple of weeks. It might not be that much fun, but I'm going to be like there to help you along the way through that. We're just going to get over that hump. Um, so that's like the really first kind of initial stuff. Um, then the other stuff is kind of broken down into um, how a new runner sort of gets into running culture and understanding what running culture is. So like um, just start super simple. Which side of the road do I run on? Uh, what do I need to wear when I run? Like, what about my socks? What about my shoes? Like, do I need a water bottle? Do I... So all that stuff, like, if you can just help somebody, like, get comfortable in that, it's because it's sort of like, you know, being a kid and going to a new school. You're like, oh, I don't know anybody. I don't know how this new place works. So helping somebody understand all those things um, is a huge burden off of people's uh, um, backs. And the other thing that I always found really interesting with new runners is, they want running to be hard. Um, and I, I don't know why that is like, maybe it's because, you know, like running f- for much of their lives, if they haven't had any exposure, for it, maybe it's like punishment for whatever they did, whatever sport they did in high school, you know? So, um, it's like, okay, so running actually shouldn't feel, um, hard unless you have to, you know, like, so let's, let's try to like find a way to run a pace, um, or a cadence or whatever that might be. Um, that, that works well for you. And so we did like cadence drills all the time with beginner runners and we would help them find like sort of higher cadence, you know, new runners got sort of like run like gazelles. And, you know, this is just anecdotal in my experience, but, uh, it seemed to hold up pretty well. And so we do cadence drills and, um, that was actually some of the inspiration for, uh, the connected footwear, uh, coaching that we provide now is, you know, sort of helping new runners find these running forms that hopefully help people, feel like it's a little bit easier while they're out running and uh, getting them into all that. And um, so those are sort of like the biggies, right? Like channeling the energy um, and making sure that you're there for the long tail. And um, then two, like helping them understand running culture. And then three, helping them understand like running doesn't have to feel super duper hard um, because all the other stuff you can, you can, you know, you can help them with. Like we should start with run walks. Like that's great. Like, just give me two minutes or three minutes of running when you go out the door to move your body. Go move your body for 30 minutes and spend three minutes or five minutes of that time uh, running and, and spend the other time just walking. We're going to get there. And if you want to walk up hills, great. Just keep moving. Just keep putting your body forward. Um, and and that's, that's really it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's – I mean, I make that mistake – honestly over and over again with running like I'll read something like born to run and then suddenly I've signed up for like a marathon true story like uh, I've signed up for a marathon that's happening that weekend (laughs) despite having like not run over 10 miles in the last like you know two years 
Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I read it in the book that I can run for a really long time and it's okay. So <laughs> I was born for this, right? Yeah. Well, we'd, we'd have people walk in, you know, at, at, at Rogue all the time and be like, hey, like I signed, like my friend dared me to sign up for this marathon and it's in four weeks. Like train me for this marathon. We would be like, oh, man. Okay, like let's let's see about this. <laughs> so, no. So, um... Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, like, can we sit down? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can yeah. we talk for a minute? <laughs> we, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then, I mean, gear-wise, what do you think the biggest, like, mistake that new runners make is? Because I know it's pretty tempting to just kind of go into the store and just start, like, you know, shoveling things off the shelf. Or on the flip side, if you're not that person, you're the person that, like, is running and, like, you know, the tennis shoes that you've been mowing the lawn with for the last 10 years and like figure that's okay. Yeah. I would say it's the, you know, the latter is really the the biggest thing is that um, you'll have people and they'll, they'll be like, Oh, like I don't need running shoes. I have athletic shoes and um, you know, I've had them for a few years. Sure. But you know, I've really actually never run in them before. But, you know, I've been walking around in them basically daily for the last few years. So <laughs> never mind the fact that they probably have like a thousand miles on them. But, you know, they're probably good for running. And so, you know, we would take them through this process of like, okay, these are your shoes now. Like try on some of those shoes and, and get a feel for it. Um, and to just help people kind of understand that, right? Like that, okay, shoe, you don't need a lot of equipment to run. Um, but for the most part, shoes are like the most important equipment. Um, but then like also... You know, the, the idea, like, this is less of, you know, with, with kind of like, quote, unquote, smart fabrics and tech fabrics, like, more ubiquitous now. Um, but, you know, especially a few years ago, you would have to kind of help people understand that, you know, there are, like, better fabrics out there that, you know, help, you know, when you're out sweating a lot and they, they're not clinging to you and they're not, you know, rubbing in the wrong spots and all that stuff like that. Um, but, you know, helping people understand gear choices and stuff like that, is, it, it can be sort of... Um, a stress relief and that like okay i didn't know what i was supposed to wear i see people running and they're like short shorts like do i have to get that like, I don't really feel comfortable in short shorts they're like no 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 we have great seven inch shorts nine inch shorts they have pockets they look and feel just like your typical shorts so um yeah all those pieces there are, are pretty helpful too this is going to lead me to my like my typical rant here i find it really unfair that guys can wear like longer shorts running that they can then like go hang out in and like not look super weird but there's not really that equivalent for women because we really have like shorter sporty shorts and then you can't really wear those to like the bar i mean you can right. you look like an idiot like you look like right. you just came from the bar from a run so like that's my like grumpy rant and like sport skirts i'm sorry they are never gonna look like normal clothing you are still just gonna look like you're playing tennis or running so well someone you know, can... i think like we could probably like maybe we should all just collectively agree that like joggers and track pants are a good thing for yeah. girls and boys yes. and we just we'll just all embrace it together and just start wearing those to the bar instead yeah if we could just do that that'd be great i mean i already do that i'm not gonna lie so, thankfully i live in like a mountain town that's what everyone is wearing to the bar that's right yeah that's that's actually a real bonus really like, yeah yeah i've got to now yeah i recently had this conversation with a friend where we were talking about like what's like the small like what's the smallest thing that's like the hill that you're willing to die on and mine was the leggings are totally acceptable as pants <laughs> that's that's it that's my thing 
<laughs> and it's worthwhile too. <laughs> exactly. Like I will fight somebody. Uh, anyway. Okay. So you're also, you know, doing a lot with map my run. So kind of sell, sell me on that. Like how does a runner benefit from actually using it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think especially, you know, like in context for probably like this audience who maybe is used to tracking with say sort of a Garmin watch or, you know, something like that. Like mm -hmm. how does it sort of play into that? And I think like with a map, my run and an app, like, uh, uh, like that, like you get a few different like ways through it. So, you know, from one from like the, the data visualization, all that stuff like that. But, you know, you have like sort of the backup tracker and that like your phone, you can, you can leverage the phone app to do the actual GPS tracking. For us, we, we talk a lot about like the training plans that live in app. Um, so if you're, in a place or um, you don't have access to a uh, coach uh, and you're interested in run training plans, but you want something more than like the PDF plan that I download off the internet, uh, we offer training plans in app that are reactive to you. So they change with you as you train or if you miss workouts or as you perform better, um, which we're pretty excited about. And then too, from like the, the side of, you know, as we're talking about the connected footwear and how they tie into the connected footwear and getting your data there. Um, but three, like, I think when it comes to like having that sort of central hub for how your data is flowing in, because you may use like uh, a one watch brand for a while and then you might move to this other watch brand. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, like half my data lift on this watch brand. Now half my data lives on this one, or I'm sure, you know, Molly, you probably test like tons of different products. And so you're like, have this like this data source and so yep. uh, we try to be a, a pretty open api in the sense of like we try to like culminate and bring a lot of different data and so if you're switching around from source to source then um you can have it all uh, aggregate there but also like if you are just getting into the sport and you just want like that early easy access point like a free phone app like map my run um, that tracks your data reliably uh, is like a great thing because you're like, oh, okay, now I don't have to go make this $200 investment um, to determine like if I actually uh, like to do this sport or not. Um, yes. And, you know, it's also fun for your other tracking. Like I like to get credit for like going to the gym or mowing my lawn or whatever that might be because, you know, it just kind of feels good to see like, oh, okay, like I did this amount of time being active or burning this many calories. So um, I, I like it from that point too but back to that data nerd side so <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah no I completely agree I think especially for I mean a lot of our audience would be like you know doing another sport and maybe want to introduce some running and yeah that's sort of a low impact way to start tracking that without you know going too crazy on the gear side of things especially for the people that really want the gear but like probably might get thrown out of their house if they bring in one more freaking watch <laughs> you know just just an idea <laughs> awesome um all right well we'll wrap it up there but where can people find you on the interwebs oh and also what is your what is your favorite piece of under armor clothing that you've ever had oh Hey, uh, is a really good question. So you can definitely hit me up on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Jeff Knight X Psi E X S C I. Um, super confusing there. I'll but, put that uh, in the show yeah. notes because that is very confusing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just try that again. J E F F K N I G H T E X S C I. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so hit me up there, or you know, you can of course find me on like LinkedIn and those other 
those other spots. Uh, but uh, favorite piece of Under Armour apparel? God, that is like a really, really good question. The one I'm most proud of is, of course, our new our new uh, hover footwear and the connected uh, mm-hmm. component of that. Um, but oh man, I'm like really I like dig this one pair of uh, or this one uh, shirt. It's called our Streaker shirt, and just like the material, it's like this sort of cottony uh, technical blend. And they they did the material in shorts and shirts and stuff like that. It's like I love that because it's just like super like comfy, uh, but it's not the like screams like technical fabric. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have that shine to it, which I like. I love like. If I could like you know like have sort of something that looked just like a, a classic T-shirt, but was also like excellent wicking and stuff like that, it would be that. So um, the streaker is like really really close to that, which I which I love. So yeah, that would probably be it. That one always makes its way into my roundups that I do because yeah, it's just so simple. It's pretty re- like it's reasonably priced, and yeah, it just looks looks nice it doesn't look it's not super trendy it's not super nerdy it's kind of just right yeah you need those classic points because you know like yeah it's like 20 30 dollar shirts like not the not like the not gonna blow anybody away but you know you want to like have you want to feel good you want to yeah. look good when you're going out for a run or a ride or whatever I mean, it might be in and like i think that's like part of it like i get like that confidence when i'm putting on the gear that that i feel good in. i'm gonna go work out in absolutely awesome well thank you so much jeff as always it was great chatting with you and now i'm gonna have to come to austin so (laughs) absolutely anytime anybody out there come 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 look me up when you're in town (laughs) awesome thanks again i'll talk to you soon okay bye-bye bye the consummate athlete podcast is part of the wide angle podium network Supporting Wide Angle Podium gets you access to podcasts like ours and keeps your favorite shows on the air and constantly improving. You also get access to rad bonus content when you donate. Check out WideAnglePodium.com for show information, other Wide Angle Podium podcasts, and to become a donating member with awesome bonuses. You'll help support the Consummate Athlete Podcast and every donation helps us keep improving the quality of the show. Again, that URL is wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Thanks for any support. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, Uh, Do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.